0: Hello and welcome to Into the Void with Will Adolphy. Today I chatted with Renée Lacroix. Renée is a passion-led serial entrepreneur and after seeing how well organised and incredible the Ecstatic Dance UK community was, I knew I had to speak to her and I'm very glad that I did. We covered her journey from fashion to food and finally Ecstatic Dance. For anyone out there that's searching for your bliss, for that job that will fulfill you, René is a wonderful example of how following your intuition can lead you on the path to discovering what that is, learning from each venture on the way. I really hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Without further ado, René Lacroix. So I...
1: I moved to London in 2010 um, to do a master's in fashion design, and uh, it was kind of my a way out. I wanted to. I I had just graduated um, from um, a BA in, in women's wear uh, in much Montreal, and I was working for um, a mainstream fashion company and did not like like it at all. And I was looking for kind of a a way out and then found this master's in um, sustainable fashion in in London at the London College of Fashion. So I moved there. And then during that master's, I met um, uh, the lady who became my business partner. And then we had our own women's wear label. We did that for uh, four years. It's actually her birthday today. So shout out to Zara. Happy (laughs) birthday. (laughs) Hey. Yeah so we're in bristol now um again also started a new life there but um yeah so we did we did that for about four years and then um our kind of interest kind of started growing apart and we each wanted to go our own way so that led me to start um fashion pattern cutting and sampling studio uh, which was something i was doing on the side anyway because um, as many people will know when you start a fashion label or pretty much any business you cannot pay yourself at the beginning mm. so I, I always did pattern cutting on the side because it was paying well and it was easy um, for me to do this and so I was sharing my time between the pattern cutting and the and the creative side of, of designing and um, when we when we stopped in purchases our women were label I needed to um, renew my visa to stay, to be able to stay in the UK. And the only way I could do that on their, on the entrepreneur visa was to get two full-time employees. That was quite a challenge, but I knew that there was enough demand. Um, if I started the patent-cutting patent business, I could then hire people to do the patterns and to do the samples, and then I could just start managing it. So this is when I became a manager, um, is when I started London Patent Bureau. And uh, yeah, that, that actually picked up very well, because it's quite a high, there's quite a high demand for technical services in fashion, because mm. everybody wants to be a designer, but not everybody wants to do the all the nitty and gritty of, of um, doing patterns and twallings and fittings and the more boring parts, let's say, mm. um, but still very exciting parts of fashion.
0: Did you, and, was that um, instinct? Sorry to butt in. I'm just very curious. Was mm-hmm. that was that instinct that drove you to to take up that space in the fashion industry, or, or were you, uh, yeah, were you driven by that kind of vision of, oh, that's not what people are doing. I think I'll do that. Was it something like that?
1: It actually, I never. It, this is a company that, and it, it, it's a company that lasted. I just closed it actually uh, in October when I moved uh, to Lisbon um but this is a company that i never planned it's kind of these companies that just happen <laughs> um because they're not you know they're very different they're not a fat, you know they're not a brand it's 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 not a sexy it's not glamorous at all it's very technical but there's a big demand for it so uh it just happened that when um when i graduated i had a friend who was a stylist and said oh i'm i'm working on my first collection but i, I don't know how to make it can i just give you the designs and and then you you and then you create um you create the pieces and i said yeah of course i can do that and then i realized that more and more people um wanted these things and um yeah and i could charge a good price for it so this Mm. is how it started it's just by um word of mouth really
0: Mm. that's really good but i'm interested what What's guiding you? Do you think? Because that's really that's really um, something there that you were uh, you put yourself in a position where you you saw an opportunity to
1: mm-hmm.
0: grow a business. And from what I, from what you said, you you had a day job at the beginning because you weren't earning enough money. But I'm assuming that in the end, you you were earning enough money from it from this business to to live off or to have it as your primary yeah. source.
1: Yeah. Definitely, uh, it was still not a huge salary, but it was definitely enough to be able to pay rent and um, to yeah to uh, to live a let's say uh, a good enough life um, for someone in in their mid to late twenties in London. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow, that that's incredible. Because yeah. I just know there's a lot of people who listen who um and i you know i'm one of them in a way um who yeah i i'm got stuck at the day job and you know having your own business what was that like for you did it give you a sense of autonomy did it contribute to your well-being i curious in that part as well
1: yeah um i i guess it was not so much of a conscious decision to to start my own business. Well, I I know I wanted to. My dream when I was around 15 is is was to yeah have be a, be a fashion designer and have my own line. But running my own business was not really something I planned. It's just something you, you you had to do if you wanted to have your own your own brand. And uh, and then when that when that dream kind of stopped, uh, when we decided to stop. The, um, the the women were labeled. I just um, maybe I just realized that that's the way I wanted to live: is not having a boss, not having a schedule, not being you know being told when to start and when to stop, and just that freedom. And then once you have a taste of of the entrepreneurial life, um, it's not for everyone, but those for for those it's 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 for they really don't want to go back. I would never, (laughs) never go back into the, into the world of, um, into, into getting a job, I guess.
0: Yes. I've got to say, I've just like left the day job about Four months ago now so I'm doing it wow. what you're saying and uh, I completely agree I, I just can't go back with this I love not setting an alarm uh, and getting up like I don't get up too late for anyone that's wondering but <laughs> it's just it's just great to be able to actually be my own boss and, and say you know have that like you said big word right it feels I feel free
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: yeah that. absolutely and um, of course you need to be okay with uncertainty, um, especially uncertainty around income, because when you are a self-employed, you never know how much you're gonna make, and some months might be very dry, and some months might be very abundant. Um, but yeah, it's a lifestyle, and you just need to get used to it. And after a few months, you kind of that anxiety kind of rubs off, and you can relax into it. But yeah, it's definitely. I would say it's even harder once you had a, a lot of security to to walk away from that
0: Mm. yeah that's a really good point Uh, You're you're really right i think you you having a plan b or a little bit of savings to fall back on in the first few months um is is really wise but to like create that opportunity for yourself and like leaving my day job was the scariest thing i've done but within Mm -hmm. that fear i've found real kind of motivation and energy that i wouldn't have had had i not left the day job you know because i was quite comfortable there Um, so that that's really interesting I'd love to say you you started the fashion uh, business and then did the food business come after that
1: yeah so (laughs) basically uh, after after about a year and a half of running London Patent Bureau um, my patent cutting business I I needed I was lacking creativity because when you when you're because like i said it's very it's a very technical job and what, what we do is basically we take our clients designs and we make it a reality but we there's no there's no design itself um so i was kind of craving more um yeah something a bit more challenging let's say yeah and uh at that time i was transitioning from being a vegetarian to to being a vegan or plant-based at least at home and I I just couldn't find any good yogurt, uh, any good plant based <laughs> yeah. yogurt. So I just thought, well, why don't I start my own vegan yogurt brand? Why not? And so yes, I did a lot of research and suddenly I got really excited and I, I felt like I got my inspiration, my motivation back. The, the the same motivation and inspiration that I got when I was starting um, this. And um, yeah, so that led me to uh, launching uh, La Cremerie. Uh, it was a rice-based yogurt brand. Mm. And I did that for just over two, for two and a half years. And uh, it had a lot of potential. We were selling in sausages, We were selling in wow. very um, high-end retailers, uh, Delford, Abel & Coal. Um, so yeah, I had a very, so it took off very quickly and, um, and I believe that it has so much potential, but what happened is, well, there's two things that happened. First, I found ecstatic dance in the meantime, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then my manufacturer, um, basically, uh, not dropped me, but, uh, informed me that they would be stopping their activities within six months. So they gave me six months notice to find another manufacturer, which I tried to find, I just couldn't find anyone that had the the know how to make these yogurts. And also with with Brexit looming over because they were making they were based in Brittany, in France. And um with Brexit looming over, it was very the the whole climate was very uncertain. And by that time I um i had found an ecstatic dance leadership training and as and i i went so i went to amsterdam i did the one one week this one week training and i came back and i thought this is what i want to do mm, well. <laughs> so this is when my conscious dance journey started
0: okay before we get there we're definitely going to get there i just want to linger <laughs> on the on the, on, on the entrepreneurial stuff that's sure. really interesting i mean The first question that came to mind, which I'm curious is, you know, you seem to be guided by uh, an intuition here um, from the fashion business and then into the food business. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. quite an achievement to get your food into some high retailers like that. I'm, I'm just curious as to like whether you had any understanding of the food industry or was it something that you just learned as you went along with it?
1: yeah i had no no prior experience no contacts whatsoever um just i guess maybe maybe some kind of fearlessness and just uh you know a very big determination yeah. <laughs> and um and and maybe motivation and yeah i'm pisces so i guess uh intuition is one of uh pisces i guess biggest quality mm. and um yeah in a way I also, all my businesses were kind of lifestyle businesses, so they are things that I aspire to. Um, so for the Women's Well Label, it was multifunctional, so they, it was about buying less, buying less pieces, but buying pieces that can, you can wear different ways. So it was about reducing um, consumption. Uh, like Harmony was about um, yeah, reducing your um, dairy intake. Uh, for both environmental and ethical reasons. Um, Conscious Dance is about um, yeah, letting go of, well, it's about so many things I cannot even (laughs) describe it, Mm. but it's definitely about making, it's about physical health, mental health, and becoming a better person. Mm. Business that I've, Brought to you know to 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 life um, that I've birthed in a way. I've put so much time, so much effort, so much dedication into each of them that once once you close them, it's um, yeah, it can actually be painful. Especially if you feel like um, even though it was your choice to close them, maybe you didn't want it to happen so quickly, or you feel like you. You would have wanted somebody else to take it over for example like family I, I tried um i tried to sell it because uh, i thought it Well, i still think it has so much potential but without a manufacturer um it's very very hard <laughs> to yeah. sell a brand if you don't have anyone to make the product um so uh, so remind me of the question again <laughs> yeah i'm
0: just wondering what it was like to let go of those businesses um because it just it, from what you were saying it, i it felt like that although it must have been tough and i was interested to hear about that because to me i the word grief is quite accurate i think when you're letting mm-hmm. go of a, i feel like there must be a grieving process i've had my company for about five six years now and the thought of letting it go um it would be very tough you know very tough And yeah very sad and so yeah i just wanted to hear a little bit more about that experience really
1: yeah um yeah i think i think all of all of these businesses uh, closing because it's it's now been it's not been three limited companies that i've that i've um striked off and yeah they, they they've all had very different experiences hmm. and um well they all have their own stories um but yeah, sometimes, sometimes I, I did feel so. Because you mentioned success, and but even though, even though, for example, Acemi like, was on on paper very successful because yeah, it was in suffrages, but never made money out of it. If anything, I just lost investment <laughs> um, right. because it was probably uh, the company that I guess I mean, yeah, put the most the most money in. Hmm. Um, and then there's also there's also the thought of what you know, what other what will other people think? You know, when you close a business after two to three years, it's like it's a failure, uh, or you can see it that way. Um, I try not to because um, the way I see it is I try to <laughs> convince myself that I could have spent that money doing an MBA, um, but then instead I just uh, learned by experience. Mm. in a way so I, I try to see that it's not money that you have lost but it was money that helped me into my entrepreneurial journey leaving me where I am now
0: yeah that's such a good point actually because yeah failure from what standpoint right from the standpoint of okay we're not you know uh, earning millions a year and hiring 50,000 people you know blah blah, blah but but like to, to me personally, you know, I've only just started earning, you know, sort of barely anything, but I'm earning now from the company after five years. But all the work we've done before that, I got so much out of it. It just wasn't money. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's an important message to anyone that's thinking of starting their own company. Uh, you know, it's even if you shut down after two to three years, Um, I'm sure that perhaps this is my question to you. Did, how did it lead? It must have led to you, then, um, starting the dance company because with those two companies behind you, and this fearlessness that you clearly carried and this confidence, you know, any intuition to to go for something, to go for an opportunity, because we've all got these ideas in our heads, haven't we? You know, all our friends, they're they're all carrying these ideas, and but you were actually someone that said, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start this dance community, and I think maybe that's a good segue into. Uh, into the topic of ecstatic dance. So I'd love to hear more about what led you, what was that first, actually, what was that first dance like for you, um, if you can remember it?
1: Yeah, I remember it very clearly. And I think everybody will remember their first ecstatic or country dance. Oh yeah, It's a little bit like, you always remember your first time. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) And um, yeah, so mine was in the summer of 2015. Um, I had been attending the London, the London Buddhist Center for a little while, and um, I was at this yoga and meditation day, and then um, a guy who was also on the team um, for that day invited me to a five rhythms class, mm. and I had never heard of it, and he told me what, it's, what it, how it's going to be, that uh, you just go there, you dance, you're obviously sober, so it's a class, uh, but there's no moves, uh, you know, you're just going to, you just basically yeah, let your body move um, to the sound of new music. And as a very curious person, I, and my, one of my motto is never refuse an invitation. So mm. I just said, yeah. And he even, even offered to pay. So I was like, I have absolutely nothing to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I went there. It was an in independent castle. And on a on a Saturday evening, um, a Sunday evening, and I was absolutely terrified. Um, yeah. I was very very scared. Um, I've always been a bit self conscious of moving, of dancing, because as a teenager, um, with my friends, we used to be doing like kind of dance competitions in the basement and uh our little brothers were like the judges and i remember that my friends used to laugh at me when i was dancing because i was a very skinny teenager and like my moves were not really gracious mm. and uh so that kind of stayed with me and i always felt uh i always felt self-conscious of, of dancing mm. um so it was it was a very different experience for me to be done i never always loved it but it was often like most people in in club environments where you have a few drinks and obviously the self consciousness fades away. And yeah, so that was my first experience. And and then I went to Buddhafield that summer, which is a festival in in Devon. And again, it the whole it's a whole it's a five day festival of um, uh, drug and alcohol free. Yeah. And then I. I tried more I, I tried many many different types of workshops and then I started going to fiber dance class um, quite regularly for a while and that led me to uh, signing up to an ecstatic dance retreat that were, was taking place in Portugal and after that after that retreat I just thought okay now I I want to do something with this so I googled I literally googled ecstatic dance training <laughs> mm. and uh and then i found that training that was happening in two months later in amsterdam and i signed up almost the uh, the day of and that was the beginning of ecstatic dance uk Whoa, i <laughs> love it
0: oh man yeah as you were telling that story i thought god how many times have i turned down an invitation and and not overcome that initial discomfort at the thought of like moving my body for example because I had the exact same reaction you know you're going to be moving your body you're completely sober and I was like really oh I don't know I don't know about that you know and Mm. now it's like something that I look forward to much like a kid would look forward to going on summer holidays or something you know it's got that real playfulness to it and was that something that you felt like immediately when you first got there and you started to dance? You started to see the community, or was it a gradual kind of love relationship? I guess.
1: Yeah, it was more the latter. Is it was definitely not love at first sight. It got took you. me a while to ease into it, um, and the first, probably my first five dances, I just did not dance with anyone. I was praying that I would not. Have anyone, and I know that would be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, but gradually I got more comfortable, and um, and then started inviting friends to join, and um, yeah, and then before I knew it, I was I was part of a community.
0: Mm. And so, how does one go about starting ecstatic dance UK? So you, you did your training. You came back and you were like, right, there's no there's no real kind of dance haven in the UK where I am. Was it something like that?
1: Well, no, no, definitely not. There's definitely, uh, um, even before I started, um, there was definitely a um, conscious dance community in London. Got you. And um, and I had to choose, well, the, the reason I chose Excetic Dance UK was because there was already um someone running except against London, and I needed to differentiate myself um from them and um, I didn't want to I didn't want to um, to be limited to a neighborhood um because we we actually were talking about um, how how can i call how can I call this this new dance that I'm going to start. And uh, the suggestion was to call it Ecstatic Dance Hackney, because this is where I was based. Mm. But I thought, you know, my vision is wider than this. I want to make Ecstatic Dance mainstream. I wanted to make it accessible to more people. And this is why I I started it, because I felt like in London especially, or it was very, I felt like a lot of the communities were very spiritual, spiritually heavy in the language, in the imagery, in the branding, and I wanted to make it more accessible uh, to people of all ages, um, mm. to 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 um, people in their early 20s, even in their teenage years, to families as well, because um, a lot of the dances, actually most dances were happening only in the evening, so I was skating for adults. But I saw, when I did my training, I saw that, most uh, uh, successful ecstatic dances uh, out there in the world were had a Sunday dance, and there was nothing like that in London. So in a way, it was my USP, my unique selling point, was to be uh, London Sunday morning dance, where people could bring their kids and and their babies to dance, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very different feel from an evening dance, especially because it's daylight and it's also the first thing you do in the morning. And um, in a way, it's kind of a replacement for church. Yeah.
0: that's a good point man i'm, I'm noticing a pattern, a pattern there as well uh, you seeing an opening in an industry and in the city and and kind of saying oh i'm gonna do that i'm gonna make the sunday dance you know i'm gonna be that person in the fashion industry oh there's no yogurt plant based yogurt i'm gonna do that so it's really empowering um to hear that actually and i wondered as you're building the community, what were those first sessions like? Well, what were the numbers like? How was it building this into what it is now?
1: Mm-hmm. So when I started, this was just meant to be a weekend project because at the moment, at the, at the time, I was still running La Crémerie and uh, this was my full-time occupation. And then I thought, well, extra a bit too early to start, but I'm just going to do something on the weekend, like maybe just one dance per month and yeah that will be kind of my way to um to get going but without having everything to you know be taken over Mm. but my my first dance there was a hundred people that showed up Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we started very big without really knowing and i remember i i actually remember someone saying sunday morning is never going to work and uh, if you know if if you listen to people that there's always going to be people who don't believe it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew, I knew just by seeing the success of the the Sunday morning dances and in Oakland and San Francisco, in Amsterdam, I mean, all over the world, really. And I knew that, you know, London was not going to be an exception. Mm -hmm. So we, we really kind of were catering to a different crowd, to people that are a bit more morning people that are very much into wellness and yoga and, um, and to families as well so and i believe that the way i created the branding the flyers it's all very clean very modern Mm -hmm. and i think it does draw in um yeah different crowds than what i could see uh out there in the um in in the conscious dance communities in london
0: yeah yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm very much looking forward to going this Sunday, actually. And um, so to anyone mm-hmm. who's listening, you know, these are regular dances and there's always there has never been a dance that I've attended with that hasn't had a good turnout. And so you, you really have built a community that's very loyal. That's that's the sense I get from it, you know, and even in just, you know, <laughs> having being on a mailing list um you know it can get very annoying with the amount of ones that you get but you know i'm i'm a a very kind of happy to be on your mailing list because it's just something it it feels a part of the community it feels personal and i can tell that you've paid attention to the brand from that level and i just wondered is Mm -hmm. that something you consciously do you pay attention to the detail from everything the djs you get into your website to your branding to your to your mailing lists
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm very, um, sometimes maybe too much, uh, you know, focusing on the details. And, uh, I mean, building a brand is something I learned from, from my other businesses. Uh, but I read this book uh, once called do open and, um, I forgot the author's name, but it's about, um, it's about building a mailing list and how newsletters are by far the most, um, how can I say you get the most effective return on the most effective yeah I was I wanted to say like Roy return on investment but when you when you write it yourself it's not like you're you know you're paying anything but it's by far the most effective um way to um to build a community and engage an audience
0: definitely that's a really good point to make, actually. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'll put the book in the show notes, no problem. Um, I'm curious, while we're here, we definitely need to talk about your DJing. When did that happen? Mm-hmm. Was that Did that happen uh, when you started to dance, you fell in love with the music, or how did that come about?
1: So I knew that I wanted to DJ eventually, but when I started, uh, I I I was learning... Already, how to be a ceremony leader, how to be how, how to be a space holder, and how to be an event organizer, because I had also never organized events before. So I was already learning to roles that were considering, you know, considering um, that demanded a lot of attention. So I just at the beginning I just hired DJs. Uh, I did that for the first nine months, um, hiring DJs that. Um, that I enjoyed, that I was recommended, um, to, and, and then I, um, I eventually did my DJ training, uh, by the same organization that trained me for, uh, ecstatic dance. And, um, after, yeah, nine months after launching ecstatic dance UK, I did my first set and, um, completely fell in love with the practice.
0: Mm wow do you have like a, a meditation practice or anything like that because i feel like your intuition plays a, r- a real role in this and you just your ability to follow it and and do these things i mean you know training to be a dj whilst running ecstatic dance uk is is quite an undertaking but you seem to have done it quite mm-hmm. seamlessly and i just wondered is that is it do you practice listening to your intuition or, or is it just something you feel naturally kind of you that's how you approach life
1: yeah. Well I do meditate every day, um or <laughs> almost every day. <laughs> Just uh, I don't want to say every day, but uh so this is actually how this is how my, my journey into I guess the conscious world started is I I um started um attending the Vedana Buddhist Center. Uh that that was in twenty thirteen actually. And a year later became a Buddhist and uh, because meditation changed my life and I, I really saw the value in a regular a daily practice and going on retreats. So this is how my spiritual journey began. It was through Buddhism. And then I fell into dancing kind a of bit later, rather than the opposite. It's funny because everybody has a different way of getting into ecstatic dance. There's a lot of ravers. <laughs> a lot of people just want to party and then they, they want to do it cleanly and then they start dancing. Uh, My way was through Buddhism, which is a bit (laughs) completely different. But there's no right or wrong path. And um, I also did um, I also played piano for ten years when I was a child and teenager. So I kind of grew up with a musical upbringing, um, which Mm. I guess helped with the that maybe that intuition that you're talking about when Mm -hmm. when creating sets.
0: Yeah, definitely second the, the meditation and how important and wonderful it is. And, and yeah, I'm going to check that out. It's in London Buddhist Center. Yes, exactly.
1: It's in Bethnal Green.
0: Bethnal Green. There we go. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And you're right. I think everyone's journey is different. But when I experience the kind of freedom of expression, I think in dance, you know the the realms of of expression and the different parts of me that were coming up during dance that I didn't even realize existed. You know, teenager parts. Um, like you said, the raver, uh, the the feminine side to me. All this stuff was coming up, and I realized, oh my god, I'm so limited in how I've been living and in the way I've been expressing myself. I'm I'm not allowing myself to move and and. And you know, I, I try and explain it to people, and I think maybe I'll just ask you as well because I asked Richard when he came on. You know what what is ecstatic dance to you? Like when people come up to you, Rene, and they say, um, "Oh, what's ecstatic dance?" Do you have like a line, or do you just go off the cuff every time? I'm interested to what what you say. Yeah,
1: well, I know I know Richard uh, borrowed my line. <laughs> oh, did he steal it? <laughs> I wouldn't say
0: steal. Okay, I, he I borrowed it. But <laughs> I I
1: actually. I actually came up with imagine imagine a yoga class take away the teacher and put a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something I came up with. <laughs> oh I was my goodness. I was actually very flattered when I heard heard him do the the analogy because it's a, it's such a great analogy and because because yoga now because I believe that ecstatic dance has the same potential as yoga and yeah. now yoga is everywhere it's in corporations it's um I mean, everybody has heard that or at least done one yoga class, and I believe exotic dance is next so um so I don't mind people using that energy because people will understand it um but another way to if we wanna remove the yoga analogy, another way to describe it is it's an active type of meditation mm. it's a it's a moving meditation and That's so true. um it's about dropping from being in your head and just being in your body
0: yeah that's so true yeah and you you don't actually have to go to the ecstatic that's what I love about your one in particular like you are free to to dance however you want do whatever you want you could sit there lie down and just listen to the music and just chill um, I've seen people do that and it's mm-hmm. and it's just lovely to actually have that space but But you're so right. There's something that happens to me when I just meditate and listen to the music and let it do the talking kind of. And, yeah, you do go on this journey of expression and sometimes reach levels of energy and joy and love and just dropping the layers of self-consciousness. I think you mentioned that earlier, like I was so self-conscious when I first got there and and now I still feel self-conscious, but... I do. It's a lot easier for me to be with that self consciousness and just realize that actually it's in my it's in my head. Uh, you know, we're all mm. we're all out there together in this field. And I always get this moment where sometimes, you know, a, a, dare I say, it, a nasty beat drops, and I look up at the sky, and I just think this is so bizarre. We're just on this rock hurtling through the cosmos. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't we dance? Let's just dance and laugh, man. It's so bizarre what's going on here. So. No, it, it's such a joy. I'm interested to hear more about, you know, what, what have you got from this, this community? I mean, you've been running it for, I believe, what, five, maybe six years now. And I'm just curious as to, like, have you met friends? Have you, you know, have you discovered like other interests from it? I don't know what, what what's kind of happened because it is like you said, it's, it is a real community.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I've gotten so much from it; uh, it's incredible. I've definitely formed um, very important friendships. Um, I've I've made so much connections, and well, for me, it's uh, it's I guess the most um, rewarding thing from building committee is just to see how much it's improving people's lives. Uh, in a way bringing bring value to people's lives and um, bringing joy and happiness and love uh, into their into their life is I think um, the most important thing I could have maybe created yeah. so um, just every time I receive an email um, from someone who has been to the dance and just sharing how much it's you know it's Meant to them is just priceless.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. What What do you think it is that? I, I know we kind of already alluded to it, but what is it when people come and you do, you? do you do you see them? You must notice the people that come and they get drawn to it, and then you you maybe you see them just like the weight off their shoulders just drops mid dance or something, and you see a smile and and there's some music playing is it is it this sense of you know i, I guess i'm trying to understand what it is about the space that you're creating because it's anyone can just go to a a field set up shop play some music but you're doing it in such a way is there anything you're consciously doing from the moment that i step into that field and i put on the earphones there, there's a vibe that you're creating and i just wondered um what that what that is really? Is it something that you're saying on the mic? is it is it in the in the way that you greet people, the team that you've got? You seem like you've got a really close team as well actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I don't think you can pinpoint just one thing. I think it it's really a combination of of everything. I think it's from it's from little thing as you know the description of the event on Eventbrite, uh, how how it's clearly you know it's clearly explained what the what the guidelines are, what to expect, and then it's about the person at reception you know their energy, their smile when they're going to greet you. Uh, it's about the regulars who have been there before that are already creating you know a group field and setting the example. Um, so all of that put together, and and one of the most important thing when you when you uh, host conscious dance is to create a safe and sacred space. So safety and sacredness. And, um, I think with these two elements, um, you can, you can let, uh, well, dancers feel, feel safe to, to let go Mm. Um, and really let, let the music take them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that I love that right well we've got to we've got to touch uh where where it is that you're going now your this new life that you mentioned earlier I'd love to hear mm-hmm. more about what what it is that's made you kind of move on and uh, go into this new venture if you if you could tell us about that that'd be really exciting
1: yes well the reason I moved to Lisbon it was for love <laughs> ah. <laughs> so it has nothing to do nothing to do with business because of course I would have loved to continue um, in a way, it's, yeah, it's almost of a, a shame that finally, when I, when I finally feel like I found my vocation um, in Ecstatic Dance UK through holding space and, and DJing, uh, I kind of had to leave it, uh, you know, even just two years after, after it started. So, um, so yeah, I, I almost, I mean, I don't regret, of course, moving to Lisbon, Um but it, it it does it does feel at the right time, and I know that Ecstatic um, Dance UK is in very good hands now with Richard. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm still I'm still very much involved in the back end of things, um, but now um, now I'm becoming more and more involved with Dance the Medicine, um, who is uh, ra- run by Bernice uh, Rebus, which was my teacher, so she she trained me. Uh, when she was involved with Ecstatic Dance International, and now we um, came together as business partners. And uh, Dance Medicine is basically a collective of conscious dance organizers, facilitators, and DJs, and we offer trainings uh, to people all over the world. Uh, We basically teach them how to start their own community.
0: Wow! So you're teaching other people to set up dance communities, so that so it seems to me that this is more about spreading dance and and getting it out to as many people as possible. It's kind of like a, a social mission as such.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now I've kind of jumped on the on the the teachers' side, and uh, now now training people how to how to start um, their own thing. And uh, of course, at the moment, it's all online. Um, but yeah, we just finished our second um, online leadership training, and again trained a new cohort of 20 uh, future ecstatic dance leaders. And uh, again, it's such a rewarding thing to be able to do. And uh, yeah, so basically, we're, as Bernice likes to say, we're, tra- we're training the next army, the next mm. conscious dance army.
0: <laughs> I love that. And. I'm so I'm so glad that you're still remaining connected very much to the UK scene as well and I'm sure you'll be back here and and DJing and things at, at the events um be great for, great to see you there um awesome well before we before we finish up this has been so lovely is, is there anything that you'd like to to say to anyone that perhaps? I don't know, is kind of like, oh, I'm tempted. What is this? This was an mm-hmm. interesting podcast. <laughs> is there anywhere they can go or, or try out something? I mean, obviously, I'm going to include the links to Ecstatic Dance UK and your, and your new business venture. But, yeah, I just wondered.
1: Um, yeah, something that did, did come to me while I was talking is, is about when we're talking about self-consciousness. And I often like to joke that if you feel like self-conscious, and you're worried about people judging you, don't worry, they're busy enough being self-conscious and being, (laughs) you know, being scared of being judged, that they don't even pay any attention to you. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. So, um, yeah, so we, so we're not the, you know, we're not the only one who's self-absorbed. In a way, everybody's self-absorbed and nobody's judging, really. So um, I would say if you're scared, then it's even better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a lovely message. And and yeah, I, I think we can all relate to that feeling of being self-conscious. And then just to remind ourselves, oh yeah, everyone else is just as self-conscious as me. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let loose. Um, but brilliant. Oh man, it's been such a joy to to chat to you and I, I very much look forward to To seeing you in person at an event sometime this summer i'm sure i'm sure you'll be back but thank you so much for your time renee
1: thanks to you will and um yeah looking forward to connecting on the dance floor in lovely green
0: definitely (laughs) bye renee
1: bye